Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. We're going through the book of 2 Corinthians. We've made it to this great second chapter, and we're going to read there in just a moment. I want to talk uh, this morning on now is the day of salvation. Some of you are probably procrastinators. How many of you here would say you have a tendency to procrastinate? Some of you said, I'll raise my hand later, I know, but nonetheless, there's a tendency for it. It's a really common story. It's really easy for it to happen. We we're less effective when we do that. If it's happening in schoolwork, we wait till the last minute to work on the paper or in, their, in our jobs, wait the last minute to get things ready or just in life, that can be a, a danger. And I've seen it many, many times spiritually. So someday, Pastor, don't worry. You know, someday I'm going to get, I'm, I'll start having a devotional time or I'll, someday I'll get baptized, someday I'll get right with God or someday, whatever it is, I've heard it many, many times. And the Bible says in this passage, talk to us about the present tense and about living in the day of salvation. And so let's read in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I don't want to read beginning with verse 1, just these two verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Open your Bibles if you have them or however you're following the text today and let's read this together. The Bible says, working together with him, we also appeal to you. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. For he says... At an acceptable time, I listened to you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. God calls us to seize the opportunities of grace, to seize those opportunities of grace. And I want to talk with you this morning about four opportunities of grace that this passage teaches us. And I encourage you to write these down. And whether you're here in person or watching online or listening to this at another time, I want to encourage you to write these four opportunities of grace down. Let's note them together. Number one, note you can join God in accomplishing his purpose. You can join God in accomplishing his purpose. Verse one says, working together with him, speaking of God, working together with God. Now, doesn't that sound bold? But the Bible is telling us we can join God in his work. We can join God in his work. We're working together, the Bible says, with him. So God invites us to join him in the work that he's doing in this, in this world. Now, he doesn't need us, right? He doesn't need us. If he's God, he doesn't, he's not dependent upon us, but God wants us to join him in his work. Just, just like a parent, sometimes, you know, you could do all the Maybe you're doing a fix-up job at home or something. You could do it without the children, but you might invite the children because you want to spend time with them or you want to work with them or you want to teach them. And God in heaven loves for us to join him in his work. And he invites us to, and Paul said, working together with him. So I want you to know that God works in us. You might have known that already. God works in us. He does the work of salvation in us. He does the work of what we call sanctification, growing more Christ-like. He does that in us. But God also works through us. He doesn't just work in us. He works through us. We accomplish the purposes he, have, he has for us to, to do. And we could say it like this. God works in and through Christians like you, if you know Christ the Savior. God works in and through Christians like you. And some of you are saying, well, he's talking about someone else. Because God can't work in and through me. Or maybe God can work in me, but he's not going to work through me. I'm not going to be working together with him. But listen, every believer, every believer can be used by God. In fact, God wants to use us in his purposes. 
And every believer can be used by God. Man, what a powerful thing this is to understand. Not every one of us has the same gift or calling or responsibility, but we all have the same uh, opportunity before God to do what he calls us to do, to join God in his work. So I, when I um, was in my early college years, I was really praying about what I should do for a career, and I just didn't, you know, just didn't know. God never made it really clear to me in those early years, and I, I thought maybe I'd be a coach, and then I thought maybe I'd be a lawyer. There's just not enough lawyers around, you know, and I thought maybe I could help out in that terrible need. We do have some great godly lawyers, how thankful I am for that, but I, but I just didn't know, and so I started kind of preparing, maybe go to law school or something. I, I just know that while God didn't make clear to me in those early days what he wanted me to do, what he really wanted for me was not the what, the specifics, but God just wanted me to say, I want to follow you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to, I want to join you in the work you're doing in this world, God. I want, to, I want to be the working together with you to accomplish your purposes. And so the summer after my sophomore year in college, God would use these circumstances to make a very clear, had a very clear, unmistakable call to vocational ministry and to become a pastor. I mean, it just, it was very clear. But one of the circumstances God used was the summer after my sophomore year, my home church, I moved to Effingham, Illinois. That's the name of the town. There's a real town, Effingham, Illinois, the Flaming Hearts. If you didn't know that, the Flaming Hearts of Effingham, you talk about striking fear and the name in the uh, opponent's hearts, uh, flaming hearts of Effingham. And that my home church there uh, asked me to work that summer helping with the youth ministry. And they had a large bus ministry in those days and I would and have me preach to the children. And I was scared to death to preach to adults or to speak to adults for that matter. And quite frankly, if you could see what I see out here, you'd be scared to speak to you too. I'll just, I will tell you that right now. But children, I thought I could do speak to children. And God used that to let me see that I, he could use me in his work. Now, he, he's not going to call everyone to be a career missionary, but he's calling every Christian to be involved in his work of missions. He doesn't call everyone to be a pastor, but he calls everyone to proclaim the message of the good news, everyone who knows him as Savior. And so the Bible is saying, I want to work in you, but I want to work through you to accomplish my purposes. And I want you to be willing to say to God, God, I all right, I want to work together with you. I want, I want to say yes to you using me to accomplish your purposes. Now, we can join God in his work, but note as well, we can join God in his call. So the Bible says in verse 1, working together with him, we also appeal to you. We appeal to you. You may remember in previous weeks, we talked about how God wants us to join in the appeal, how we are uh, urging people to come to faith. We're not neutral on whether someone trust Christ as Savior, like take it or leave it. We don't care. We care deeply about that. We want people to be saved. We urge people to give their life to Christ. We join God in his appeal. We join God in his call. We call people to salvation. We want people to be saved. And we call people to discipleship. We want people to grow in faith. And Paul is saying here, I'm working together with God, and I'm working with God to appeal to people. And he's saying the church I'm a part of the church and all that God wants to do. In it. Listen, if you want to be countercultural in our generation, just value the church. Just value the local church. Because not only is it under, just almost looked at with scoff and scorn in the world, but even many who name the name of Christ, many who name the name of Christ say, church is no big deal. It doesn't really matter. 
I just live Christian faith on my own. And I'm telling you, God in heaven differs. Because God made it. Did you know that? God made it. God made the church. And not only did God make the church, God uses it. He doesn't have to. He, he could do all of his work without any of us. But God uses the church to accomplish his purposes. And I want you to note that God uses you in the church. He uses your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your heart, your background. Even the failures and mistakes of your past, God will use for his glory. And so the Bible is saying, working together with him, we also appeal to you. We join God in accomplishing his purpose. God in heaven, who works in you, also wants to work through you to accomplish his purposes. There's a second thing I want you to note about opportunities of grace, the second opportunity of grace. You can live out the earthly result of his provision. Would you just note that, write that down? You can live out the earthly result of his provision. Now, the Bible talks about a heavenly result of the provision of grace. Forgiveness of sins. It's a provision that God will give us fully in heaven when we're forgiven now. But a, the home in heaven that God gives for us, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's a heavenly provision. Adoption into his family. But there's an earthly provision God makes. And I want you to note what the Bible says here in verse 1. Working together with him, we also appeal to you, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Now, he's speaking here to the church at Corinth. Remember, this is written to people. And the church in Corinth, is, he's speaking to believers. And while the grace of God comes to us in salvation, he's saying here, don't receive the grace of God in vain. And he's speaking to believers. And he's saying, now listen, the grace of God always does its work in salvation. God fully forgives. He fully adopts. He fully saves. But many who name the name of Christ can miss the earthly results that God wants because of his provision of grace. And he said, don't receive the grace of God in vain. So let's note some earthly results. One is service. God made us to serve. Jesus sets the example. Jesus, the Bible said about Jesus, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So don't make your life about you. Don't make your church life about you. Don't make your hobbies just about you, your interests just about you, your marriage just about you. Instead, have the attitude of Jesus and say, I'm going to give. I'm not, just, I'm not just what's in it for me. Not just what do I get from my marriage. Not just what do I get from my friends. Not just what do I get from my job. Not just what do I get from my church. Not just what's in it for me. But I want to give. I want to serve. I want to think of others and not myself. What a difference that makes. What a difference it makes. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Or ministry. You may remember in previous weeks we've looked at how the Bible tells us where to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. We're telling people, be reconciled to God. God gives everyone ministry opportunities. I've thought today of the many people who are serving today in our church family. And I mentioned uh, earlier about preschool workers and how they serve and we're always praying for more. So many uh, preschool workers who are needed and really in the kids' life as a whole and not to mention student ministry, adult ministry, etc. But I thought, listen, if you're looking for glory preschool ministry, that's not for you. You know what? There's not a lot of glory in the preschool ministry. 
I mean, sometimes it's challenging. You know, sometimes kids can be, you know, a little sugared up, a little difficult and challenging. I mean, not your kids, but the other, I'm talking about the other folks in the church building. I'm not your kids are great, of course, all the time, but man, but there are people who say, I'm going to serve, I'm going to minister, I'm going to look for a way to use my talents and gifts and abilities for something beyond myself, and I'm going to be involved in ministry or in evangelism. There are people who are saying, be reconciled to God, who are pointing people to faith, people who have never heard the gospel, who care about people who aren't here yet. I love that people uh, invite others to church. Almost every week I meet someone who, they, this is my friend, and they invited them to church, got invited by someone at work or in their school or in their neighborhood or somehow. It's been a joy, and it's been a difficult season of ministry in our, well, I guess you're probably aware of this, last year and a half has been a little bit different. Is that fair to say? And, and struggle, we've struggled in lots of areas, but man, the young adults just never before have we seen so many young adults coming to our church, and I, I love seeing that. And lots of young uh, singles or nearly married and newly married, and I love it. I love it. We just never have seen the like of that in our church history. I can't they stay after the service this 11 o'clock hour you know there's nothing right after it and so they tend to stay and they want to be around each other and I love that they do and they I don't know how long they stay because I just I go home I can't stay as long as they stay but they stay and week after week I'll come back after you know kind of greet people out at connection point I'll come back through and so often I meet someone who's you know the first Sunday and someone invited them this is my friend you know invite them to work with them some airmen at, at uh, the base or some guy at school or someone they met through the gym or whatever it might be, and someone invited them. And I tell you, it's not just people. Sometimes the guys who invite are just, they just have a heart for people who aren't there yet. Sometimes they're new believers who just, who haven't figured out that you ought to, the job of the Christian is to do nothing. They just haven't figured that out yet. The job of the Christian is just to, you know, kind of sit and sour. And they don't know better. And so they just say, I want other people to hear the message of the gospel. And they invite, I love that. I love that. And I want you to know that you can live out the earthly result of the grace that God gives you. And I love that grace is about heaven ultimately. I love the promises of God in heaven. But God gives us responsibilities on earth in the meantime. And you can live out those results as a part of the opportunities of grace. There's a third opportunity of grace I'd like you to note. You can learn from God's help in the past. You can learn from God's help in the past. And let's go to verse 2. It's a quote from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49. For God says, he says, speaking, God speaking to us as he does through his word, at an acceptable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Now this is a reminder that God has worked in days gone by. Isaiah's talking about God's help in the days of Israel, and how God helped the people of Israel in difficult times. There's some challenging days in the life and ministry of Isaiah. Some challenging days. They had enemies without and difficulties within. And Isaiah said, listen, God has been working and God is doing, he's accomplishing his purposes. And we are reminded as we see the past, what God has done. God gives us the Old Testament and the New Testament as a reminder of what he has done. And we can see how God has worked in days gone by. And 
those of you who have known Christ as Savior for some time can give testimony to how God has worked in your past, how God has provided, how God has helped you through a difficult time, how you felt like the world would stop spinning, and yet God helped you through that difficult moment. God helped you through some challenge, some struggle, some relationship issue. And this is evidence, God's work in the past is evidence of God's work in the future. How do we know God's going to work in the future? The God who has been faithful in the past is the God who will be faithful in the future. And so we see evidence from God's word and from our own lives that God is going to be faithful because he has been in the past. And we can learn from that. God listened to us and God helped us in days gone by and God will do that again in the future. But I want you to note this. God has worked, past tense, and God will work, future tense, but God is working, present tense, right now in our lives. The same God who helped us in the past is the God who's working in our lives now. And we can learn from God's help in the past. We can learn from the acceptable time and God listened to us and in the day of salvation how God helped us. And we can be reminded that God is doing that right now in our lives. This is a big day for people, you know, sugar day. It's a big sugar day. Some, I don't know how the idea of just giving candy to kids really originated with this day, but part of it, I think, was maybe a, a group of dentists got together and needed more work or something, and so they just said, the poor American public, they don't get enough sugar. Let's just sugar up those kids, and I love it. I mean, I'm a big sugar guy myself. Wonderful thing. I, I love it when no kids come through the house, so we have extra uh, chocolate at home. It's a great thing. But that is not the big day. There's something bigger about our day than sugar. Today's Reformation Day. And in 1517, a man named Martin Luther nailed to the church doors at a church in Wittenberg. He nailed what's called the 95 Theses. And it was a reminder of what had been forgotten. That God's word is our source of authority. Not just our traditions. Not just our past not just our feelings, those things are always changing. But what does God say? We want to know what God says, and we want to base our lives on what the Lord teaches. It's his word. He says. And so we want to find out what God has to say and follow that. We're reminded that we're saved by grace through faith, that it's not our works. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't do enough good things to make it to heaven, that we are broken by our sin and that sin breaks us from our fellowship with God and we need to be reconciled with God and only Jesus could do that and Jesus did the work that we needed for us to be reconciled to God and it's his goodness not ours Jesus died in our place Jesus rose from the grave and by his work we can be forgiven of sin and set free and reconciled to God and we are reminded of that work in the past that reminds us that God is going to work in the future we can think of our own church family and how God has worked in the past. Um, when Bryson McGuire, our student pastor, was preaching recently, he talked about the day in the early 70s when the church almost folded. Twelve people met together, whether or not we would keep our church building open. And they believed that God was not done with FBCO. And, and, and then the church began to grow in the late 70s. The church relocated to this spot. And God just blessed and provided for them. And then... Uh, not long after that, the church went to two, two life groups and two worship hours and just said, we're going to 
We're going to use our space well and wisely, and God bless that. In fact, the minister of education then was a man named Ed Collins who recently passed away, and I just want to honor the legacy of that man who served so faithfully here, and others, so many others like that who served faithfully in our church and, and labored for the cause of Christ. We remember what God did then, or some of you may remember when God provided for us to build this worship center. You may remember, those of you who are here that long ago, and by the way, if you're new to the uh, church family, we're glad you're here, but I want you to know the building did not like come up like a mushroom or something. It took sweat and sacrifice, and I mean, we, it was a huge task for our church, so much smaller than. Some of you may remember we wrote on the floor before we put the carpeting here in this building, we just wrote prayer, our prayers and our Bible verses, and our, man, it was a special moment. And all of those things in our past, listen, we don't worship the past, but we learn something from it. And everything God has done in our past is a reminder of what God's going to do in our future. And every time we think about what God did in our past and what he's going to do in the future, we can be reminded that God is working right now in our lives. And he uses that past to grow us and deepen us. Some of you can look back at a time in your life where you felt so alone and you felt like life was just, the world was going to stop spinning. And then, and there was God. And there was brokenness and pain and hurt. But there was God. And God uses that past in your life to remind you of all that he's going to do in the future. And all he is able to do right now. And you can learn from that lesson, from those lessons of God's help in the past. But there's a fourth principle I'd like you to know. You can trust God for salvation in the present. And I love how this passage ends, this second verse of 2 Corinthians 6 ends like this. See, now is the acceptable time, and now is the day of salvation. So I want you to note three things here. Would you note, first of all, we can recognize the opportunity to be saved. Notice the first word found in our text is see or look. It's like... It's telling us to open our eyes and open our hearts and consider this. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. The Bible is reminding us that God wants us to hear his word. God has you here for a reason. Did you know that? He has you here listening to this message for a reason. You're in this place or you're listening online or listening on the radio for a reason. God wants you to hear this message. He says to us, see, look, listen, open your heart. Notice as well that we are to move from good intentions to right action. He says, see, now is the acceptable time. Good intentions can be dangerous. I mean, I'd rather you have good intentions than bad intentions, but can I just point out that if good intentions never lead to action, what's the difference Saying someday, and all of my ministry life, I've heard people say someday. Someday I'm going to trust Christ as Savior, and someday I'm going to get baptized, and someday I'm going to serve, and pastor, someday I'm going to get active. Someday I'm going to start a devotional life for myself, and someday I'm going to start using my gifts and talents for God, and someday, 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 someday. And I just want to point out to you that saying someday is very similar to saying, no, Lord, not today. No, Lord, not today. That sounds so harsh to say, God, not today. 
I'm going to disobey you today. It sounds so painful that we say someday instead. And we look to our good intentions. But God wants us to go beyond good intentions to right action. Many of you have had great intentions about all kinds of things, but it's never led to action. And the effect is the same as if your intentions had been less than good. The same result. And I'm saying, the Bible is saying, see, now is the acceptable time. Now is the acceptable time. God has done everything necessary for you to know him as Savior. God has done everything needed for you to grow in your faith. You're not waiting on something more from God. God is providing the opportunity. And I'm asking you to recognize that acceptable time. And then thirdly, stop procrastinating. The Bible says, see, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Salvation doesn't happen in future tense. Salvation always happens present tense. Present tense. You're saved in the present tense. You trust Christ in the present tense. You repent in the present tense. You believe on Jesus in the present tense. And I'm asking you today to recognize that now is, today is the day of salvation. Instead of waiting, instead of wasting another opportunity, instead of saying someday, today you can give your life to Christ. Today you can follow the Lord. I want you to make that your reality and not just your intention. And today, to see that now is the acceptable time and now is the day of salvation. And I'm going to ask you to give your life to Christ today. Today. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? And I want to ask, there are many of you here who know you've trusted Christ as Savior. You know that you've given your life to Christ. But I suspect there are many here listening this day who have never trusted Christ as Savior. And maybe you've said someday, or maybe you've said, you know, I'll think about it, or I'll find a more convenient time somewhere in the future. And then you are hit between the eyes with a verse like this that says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And right where, you, right where you are today, would you just turn from sin and place your faith in Christ? Do you believe... God loves you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you've sinned against God who is holy? Do you believe that that sin separates you from God? That you can't self-improve your way to perfection? Do you believe that God did something about your need? Do you believe Jesus died on the cross in your place for your debt to pay for your sins? Do you believe Jesus provided the miracle that you needed? That Jesus rose from the grave? Do you believe God is able to save someone like you? Then I want to ask you, today, not someday, today, would you trust Christ as your Savior today, right where you are? Would you say, God, I am a sinner who needs a Savior. I believe you are who you say you are. I trust you as my Savior and Lord this day. Would you make that your prayer? And if you mean that, Christ will save you. And today, today, he will forgive you of your sins. Today, he will adopt you into his family. Today, he will save you and make you new on the inside. And Christian, maybe you've said, you know, God, I, someday I want to work together with you. 
Someday I want to appeal to others for you. Someday I want to allow you to work through me just as you have already worked in me. But I'm going to ask you today, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Would you today say, God, I want to, I want to work together with you now. And I want to appeal to others now. And I don't want to receive the grace of God in vain. I want to accomplish the purposes for which you placed me in this world. I want to serve you, minister in your name, care about those who aren't here, love people like you love them, and to be used by you to make a difference in this world for your glory. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the truth it teaches us. And I want to thank you for today, this day, and this opportunity. We so easily say, wait. The enemy whispers in our, in our ears, find a more convenient time. But you tell us today is the day of salvation. Today we can work together with you and appeal to others on your behalf. Today we can be used by you to make an impact in this world for your glory. And so, Father, use us today and we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.